I am Plata on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Dave Hill joins me again as we learned in his previous book, Parking the Moose, which he was on the podcast with back in 2019. Dave's grandfather was born and raised in Canada. So it makes sense that Dave has always been fascinated by hockey. He explores his obsession with the sport in his latest book, The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. It's a fascinating book that is Dave wondering why hockey isn't as popular as it should be in the United States. He looks. Uh, he also looks at his own experience with hockey as a child as well as a fan today. Cleveland, where he was born and raised, had an NHL team briefly. And today he doesn't root for uh, Ohio's Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, it, I'll ask him uh, about his allegiance to his uh, hometown team of uh, the New York Rangers. In one chapter of the book, he takes us to an evening watching the Rangers and Blue Jackets facing one another at Madison Square Garden. He also takes the reader to Poland and to Kenya, where he finds hockey stories and experiences that are just delightful to read. And he writes about hockey hilariously that this book will be fun for all sorts of readers, even those who think that there are four quarters to a hockey match. Dave Hill is a comedian, writer, and musician. Uh, he has written for sundry publications, including the New York Times, the Paris Review, Salon, GQ, McSweeney's, and many more. He is a regular contributor to This American Life and the host of his own radio program, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, on WFMU in Jersey City. This new book is published by Doubleday Canada. We spoke eight days ago. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Dave Hill. Mr. Hill, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So, so when when I got the book, um, or I, I first heard about the book, I thought, well, this this is uh, this makes sense because he's part Canadian. Of course, he's a hockey fan. Um, was it uh, early on for you that, that you you took to hockey? Say, yeah. I mean, my grandfather was from Clinton, Ontario, so I kind of had a weird upbringing as a guy from Cleveland, where. Uh, you know, or atypical, I should say. Uh, we were, my siblings and I were tossed out on the ice, really, you know, I was skating probably like two and a half, three years old, and played hockey as a kid, played, you know, up, to, up until a little into college, and then I finally uh, decided to retire for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, just loved it. But it was, you know, Cleveland, we had an NHL team for like two years only, mm-hmm. and uh, so... You know, it's just a weird, you know, it wasn't a popular sport, and there was just me and like two other kids in my school who were into hockey, and it was just, uh, it just wasn't, people didn't know anything about it, you know, they didn't know, you know, the Browns and Cavs and stuff was like social currency, like you had to know, this, you know, the Browns players and the score, yeah. but, you know, I'd be like, well, okay, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, Rangers and Flyers are playing tonight, maybe. Shut up! You know, <laughs> so it was a lonely existence for a young hockey fan. So, in so you mentioned Cleveland having a team in the 1970s. Now, I guess that was two seasons that they did. Um, yeah. What was your team growing up? Growing up, I mean, briefly it was there, very briefly, but really, um, and I did get to one game when I was a little kid, uh-huh. and in the book I. Uh, there was a player, Len Frigg. I remember seeing the, uh, the first player I ever saw up close 
I did end up tracking him down and, and talked to him for this book, which is, he probably thought I was going to, you know, a murderer, stalker <laughs> of some sort, but uh, we just had beers. But, uh, but yeah, growing up, I, you know, because you know, in the 80s was when I was like, you know, reformative, real formative hockey years, and that was like, you know, Gretzky entering league, and um, so I was into the Oilers, and then my cousins grew up on my island, this was, you know, of course, during the Islanders dynasty as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was into the Islanders, and, and Brian Trotche moved in down the street from them, so I was just, you know, I went to visit them one summer, and went and stood on his front lawn until he came outside. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, the Islanders and Oilers were gro- growing up. Of course, you know, it's pretty easy to root for either, either, either of those teams in the 80s as they were both uh, amazing and won a lot of Stanley Cups in that decade. So you live in New York City now. I guess the Rangers are your team. Some, someone would assume that, that you'd have an affinity for Columbus. No, quite the opposite. I mean, the Rangers are are my team for sure. Um, just because you know, I you know root for the home t- home team. I think you know if I move to uh, if I move to Vancouver, which I would would happily do, um, I would uh, I would root for them. But uh, yeah, the the Columbus Blue Jackets, not at all. Like in fact. Uh, I really resent that team and always have as being from Cleveland. The fact that Columbus, of all places, got an NHL team and have had a team for so long now, and Cleveland still doesn't have another team. Um, I really resent it. And, and Ohio, like, we really don't, uh, there is no, uh, camaraderie between the Ohio cities. We all kind of hate each other. And, uh, so the Blue Jackets forget it. Not to mention, the Blue Jackets. I mean, I, I like the history behind it. The yeah. you know the Union, uh, Ohio Union soldiers and all. But their logo, as discussed in the book, is it looks like it's for like a bank or something. It's horrible. <laughs> That's the, the uh, I enjoyed so many parts of the book, but the the part where you um, uh, break down, say, their uh, uniforms. Uh, I told you just before we started. I took down my Canucks jersey from my uh, room. And uh, have it here in my okay. office, and I want to look at it uh, during the interview. Um, do, do you like the Canucks design? I mean, I think the Canucks have consistently always had pretty amazing jerseys. My favorite, even though a lot of people say it's the worst jersey of all time, I strongly disagree. The the Canucks flying V jersey mm. was amazing, um, and like it just looked like. You know, it's like futuristic, but made, made him look weirdly German at the same time, which I kind of like. Um, the current Canucks jersey um, is amazing. Uh, what is that's like a uh, like a killer shark yeah. of some sort? Yeah, an orca whale the only, that's shaped in a sea. Yeah, the orca. Yeah, the only my only criticism would be that I think there should be blood. Coming from the, the, <laughs> from his, the teeth, you know, yeah. whale's teeth. I think, uh, I think blood and fire and any hint of violence uh, is really good in a in a logo. So that's my only criticism um, of that jersey. I think it's it's one of the best jerseys in the NHL, and I think they're. I might be wrong, but their alternate jersey is 
is kind of based on the retro jersey with the stick, right? Yeah, they, they, they have. They've been using the. They've been going to that black and orange one from the '80s uh, throughout last season. Um, I was going to ask you about that because you 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 have a, a collection, a large collection of jerseys in your closet there at home. Um, it numbers about forty. Is that right? Yeah, it's probably like up almost to fifty now, which is, to my mind, a mo- very modest collection. To my girlfriend's mind, it is a very problematic collection. <laughs> There's a guy it's that you talked to in the book who's got thousands, right? Or hundreds, yeah, I Brian should say. Yeah, Brian who uh, had a Metal Blade, re- Metal Blade Records, he had 2,500, I think, at one point. Wow. And he's pared it down to a relatively modest, uh, over a 1,000 still. <laughs> so, but that's a whole other level, and... Uh, you know, I think his finances are probably uh, better for jersey buying than mine, <laughs> I'm guessing, um, since he's the guy that first uh, released music by a little band called Metallica. He's done quite well for himself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I you know, there's always, it's it's endless, and I, I do love, uh, yeah, there's always, you know, I'm always going on the Internet looking like what jersey wear. There's so many leagues all over the world. Uh, they'll never be enough for me. Yeah, and and that's the thing because I mean the Canucks have during the year they dress in in well they have home and away I guess and then they have um, throughout the year different themes I guess and so um, for a jersey collector like yourself I guess it is endless but I, but I read with fascination in the book that that um, the NHL ones were not really your favorites it's it's these other leagues around the world that you have an affinity for is that right? Yeah, they tend to be better. I mean, with the NHL, I, I always love the original six jerseys, but, and, you know, there's other teams, you know, Vancouver, as I said, and there, there's some good jerseys out there, but I think the NHL, because, you know, they go for the broad, being the biggest league in the world, they go for broad appeal, you know, because, you know, they want, like, someone's grandmother to want to wear the jersey, whereas I think, you know, the, the minor league jerseys, you know, in Canada especially, and then ones in Europe, are they're just more violent. And like my one of my all time favorites is the uh, Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League. It's like this this crazed wolf that looks like it was drawn by a like a teenager hopped up on Mountain Dew in the back of history <laughs> class or something. And then it's got like blood on the teeth and blood flying across. That's you know, that's what you want. You want blood, fire, and like you know, an ear, irritable animal that looks like hell bent on destruction. I think um, that's really and not enough NHL teams do that. I mean, like the Vegas Knights, their logo looks like it. It's like for a car alarm company. Or something. <laughs> like, you could have a crazy night with like a ma- a mace or a yeah. flail and something covered in blood, and you know. Oh, it's just it, the Seattle Kraken. It's just an S, yeah. Like that has scales. Like have the have a, let's see the Kraken. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I, I had to, I had to laugh um, in that chapter of the book where you talk about the Islanders jersey because I didn't notice. I I always thought it was just a bunch of orange, and I, I I didn't notice that it was a map of Long Island. And I laughed out loud yeah. when you suggested it should be uh, big and, and uh, little Edie from from Grey Gardens 
instead. Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty, you know, it's that would be a pretty nice jersey, but I think for uh, people like yourself who get it, um, it's, uh, it's would be an amazing jersey. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to hawk any products, but, and I'll probably eventually get a cease and desist order for this. <laughs> but I did go ahead and make T-shirts with that logo on it. Uh, if anyone wants uh, a New York Islanders uh, shirt that has Big Beauty and Little Lady from Grey Gardens on it, is it is it, it on it, is it on your Instagram? Yeah, I post it on there, uh, and you can link. You know, you know, people can find it. I post it, but it, it's gotten quite popular. Uh, with a certain audience. I got, I got, thing about that, yeah, I got to go look pardon? for that. Yeah, I got to go look for that on your Instagram feed. Yeah, it's a good shirt. The funny thing is, you know, I'll post a photo of me and some other people wearing it, and people will be like, oh, I hate the Islanders. And I'm always kind of like, well, if you really think this is an Islanders shirt, you're not quite getting it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess it is, and it, it isn't an Islanders shirt. And, uh, yeah, but uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you like that because that's like a real you know the kind of person that knows hockey and great gardens that's uh, <laughs> that puts you in a rare class, very special person. I was <laughs> I was relaxing reading the book and and I had I was on my back on on the couch. And I, I laughed so hard I had to get up. You know what I mean? I really was at a choke to death. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you ask throughout the book why Americans don't like hockey as uh, as much or as they should. And and, and um, considering the sports that Americans like, like football um, and and baseball, uh, basketball even, um, Americans should like hockey because it is fast. It, it has it has a requisite amount of violence. Say. Eh? Um, but, yeah. so, so why do you think it is that, 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 um, I mean, I have an idea why, but, uh, in your travels, not just, uh, throughout, uh, the United States, but, but your travels throughout the world in, in writing this book, um, what have you found out about why it's not as popular as it should be, say? In the United States, I yeah. think, um, it's been suggested to me that, you know, there's not enough natural... I mean, I guess it's true. There, You know, historically, there's not been enough naturally occurring ice. You know, it's like we don't, in America, with the exception of Minnesota, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, there really aren't a lot of outdoor rinks, you know, where you can just walk down the street and hop on the ice. So it, it's just... It's, just, it's, just, it's not easy to play the sport and grow up surrounded by the sport, Um and, uh, and, you know, just the way the league developed with it being, you know, just around the East Coast, you know, and, you know, from the original six and then slowly, now it's all over the place and it's slowly growing. But I think over time, you know, maybe on my last days on this planet, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be satisfied. I think it could happen in my lifetime that hockey becomes ascends to its rightful place as the number one sport in America. But I think Americans also, you know, I'm a little sleep-deprived right now, so, you know, now I'm drifting in conspiracy theories. But, <laughs> you know, maybe there's uh, a bit of, like, uh, anti-Canadian sentiment sure. that, uh, you know, Americans just, re- you know, consciously or subconsciously rejecting 
this amazing sport that, uh, you know, it wasn't invented in America. And I think, you know, all the other, if I'm not mistaken, all the other major sports in America were. Am I getting that right? North America, at least, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, basketball, it's been argued, was invented in Canada, but upon further research, it was invented by a Canadian, but he did it in America. So, of course, not that I'm claiming it, because I don't like basketball or care whatsoever. So, you guys can have that one. But, um, anyway, so (laughs) that's maybe part of it, is people saying, ah, that's Canada's thing. Uh, but, and it, and it is big, I mean, hockey, but it's just not big enough, you know, when I come to Canada, and I walk down the street and look, you know, you look in a bar, if there's TV in a bar here, the hockey, hockey game is on, where America, unless it's a dedicated hockey bar, you have to, you know, you have to beg them to turn on the game, and they're like, they don't know what channel it's on. They don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's no way to live, yeah. really. Yeah, they'd rather have Dancing with the Stars on in the bar, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the, you you have a conversation with Brian Trotty, which um, I'll ask you about in a sec because it, it it's uh, enough to blow uh, your mind because you know you, you get to talk to a lot of great people in the book, people that you grew up with. But um, when he uh, when you ask him about uh, the popularity of the sport in America. Uh, is expansion the way to go? I mean, Las Vegas won the Stanley Cup last year. Seattle did very well recently in, in, in last season, much yeah. better than the Canucks did. Those are two expansion, the two of the most recent expansion teams. Does it have to go further south, even in a, in other cities, to, to say make it big in America? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I think that would help, of course. Uh, but I also. And I shouldn't say this because it doesn't help the growth of the game. It's really counter to what I'm, what I'm, you know, what my goal is. No pun intended. Um, is but I do get annoyed when new franchises win the Stanley Cup so quickly. Mm. You know, when when all these other teams, you know, Rangers are coming up on 30 years without a cup. Canadians haven't won a cup in a long time. Uh, uh, we've never won one here in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, not to, you know, I don't think you can make a pecking order for it, but come on. I mean, Vegas, a little too, get a few more seasons under your belt. <laughs> get a better logo, too, while you're at it, right? Uh, uh, I just don't. At least, as the third logo, at least, why not yeah. have a crazed night and just blood every, I don't know. Maybe I'll just do it myself. What um, what do you make of because uh, because we we watch um, the hockey here on on the Canadian I guess Sportsnet is the channel here in Canada, the yeah. CBC also yeah. has it I guess they they, they share the rights. Um, sometime, from time to time I do see the American broadcast and you write about this in the book that the screen gets awfully cluttered. You see all these bubbles with the players' names or they try to highlight where the puck is. Um, does that take away from your enjoyment say, of watching hockey on an American broadcast? Oh, absolutely. I, I've, I mean, I've never. There's this argument in America that oh, it's hard to follow on TV, and they've, you know, over the years they come up with all these different methods to to help you understand what's going on, and and I, yeah, I find it really distracting and stupid. And I mean, I wear glasses to watch a movie or you know anything else, 
Mm-hmm. But the one thing I don't need glasses for is a hockey game because I can just see where the energy, you can always tell where the puck is. Like, even with my glasses off, I can see the energy. I can see where everyone's moving, and, and uh, I don't get it. Maybe it's because I have Canadian blood uh, that I said I just born understanding what's going on, but... Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's frustrating, um, and it's pandering. Even worse, mm. it's pandering. You don't need to hold people's hands. And I know it's hard to you know to follow. Like, oh, who's this guy? Who's that guy? But I mean, you, you know what team they're on. That's enough. Figure out who their name later. Yeah, they'll tell you the name. The the the, the play by play guy will tell you the name when um, yeah. when they score. They do something. You know. Um, connected with the game, right? We're connected with the score yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you talk to Stephen Brunt in the book, and, and one of the things yeah. that he says that, that he loves about the game is the sound of the game. And I, I worked in an office during the pandemic where I was, some nights I was the only person there. And I would put the hockey game on, because not even watching it, um, because I love the sounds of it. You know, it's whether it's a skating or the, the bumping into one another or the, just the... The, the the sound this was during the time when they didn't have fans in the stands um, there's a unique sound to it altogether that, that that's appealing to the ear isn't there oh absolutely I mean you're a man after my own heart I, I do the exact same thing it's, it's a symphony to me just the sound of it the skates cutting into the ice sticks hitting the ice and the pucks and pucks hitting the boards bodies hitting the boards it's 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 awesome. It's I'll put on a game that I, you know, either don't have time or mm-hmm. interest in seeing, maybe, and yeah, just the sound of it happening. It's it's uh, it's soothing to me. It's like uh, you know, I, I'll, leave, I'll leave a hockey game on just like some people turn Shark Week on and just have it <laughs> in the background. So, so I, as I mentioned. Yeah. A moment ago, you travel uh, a great deal for this book. You go to Poland, Kenya, Finland. Um, Kenya, for example, is not a place that we'd associate with hockey. Um, what was the experience like? I mean, you, I, I guess because they don't have ice there, they play uh, on rollerblades. Is that right? Well, they do. They have one rink in the whole country, and and it's in this hotel. But when I went there, there it hadn't reopened uh. yet. Since COVID, and of course it opened like two weeks after I was there. Um, but they had been playing roller hockey just to stay in shape, and so when I was there, they were playing roller hockey, and they they kicked my ass really badly because um, <laughs> I I never played roller hockey before. But I'm I'm in, I'm determined to return and play them on ice and uh, give them the beating they deserve. Is, is the experience, because, uh, see, I don't know anything about hockey or, or let alone playing it. I would assume that, that um, uh, rollerblade hockey with a ball is uh, the same as, say, being on the ice with a puck. It's not, is it? No, no. It's, I mean, the ball is different. You know, the, you know, it doesn't handle the same way. Um, it bounces around a lot. And then, you know, skating on rollerblades, the stopping and starting isn't, isn't the same. It's sort of, mm. you kind of, there's real adjustments to be made. And those are adjustments I did not have, <laughs> uh, know how to do. So I really, and it didn't probably also, it could be argued, it didn't help that I was 
literally like 30 years older than some of the guys playing. So uh, I, I, was, I was pretty wiped out. They played for like, I thought we would play two hours tops. Yeah. But we kept going and going. And finally I was just like, so uh, how long are we going to play? And they said, we play until we, we can't see the ball anymore. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God. I mean, if I hadn't flown across the planet, I would have just headed back to the hotel after 45 minutes. I was so exhausted. But it was it was really amazing. And I, and, and I made some great friends while I was at it. So I'm, I'm really excited to go back. I enjoyed the book when when you you go to all these places like as I said Kenya Poland and Finland. Um, I was, was going to ask you what you're like as a traveler. Um, I mean, you, you are conscious about where you stay, wherever you go, aren't you? You, you don't just stay in the middle of the city and in, you're in the, in the middle of downtown where all the tourists stay, do you? I, I try to, in most cases, stay. Yeah, I try to stay. You know, where like find what's the local neighbor. I want to experience a place. You know what it would be like to live live there. Um, and in some, you know, in some cases in the book, I didn't. When I went to Nairobi, I didn't do that. And I have to say that I kind of gave in to, uh, you know, I read up like what was Nairobi like, and uh, and the the, you know, they kind of made it sound a little rougher than it was. So I was like, they made it sound like, oh, you should, you know, be careful. And uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I found it to be completely delightful, and there was no time that I felt that you know I was in any. You know, because they make it sound like oh, there's you know pickpockets and sure. don't walk around alone at night and this and that. And I don't know. I just when I got there, I was like, I don't know. It seems fine. And I I just did all that stuff, and I was fine. So I did stay in a hotel there, but I think when I go back next time, I'll I'll definitely stay in a more residential area and get a better sense of it. Um, in fact, the hockey players kind of made fun of me first day in the hotel that I stayed in. And they're like, oh, that's, that's for, like, Americans. When just, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but yeah, most places I would try to, try to stay, like, in a more local kind of place. Uh, though I have to say, now, um, you know, contradicting myself twice, when I went to Poland this last time, for the book, uh, I was looking for places, and there was, I, I went to Katowice, Poland. There was a hotel Katowice, and Poland is so cheap that the hotel was so cheap that I was like, oh, what the heck, I'll just treat myself to a hotel. And it was this hotel that I don't think, it didn't seem like it had had any renovations or updates since the Soviet occupation of Poland. <laughs> And it like it was just truly like just this this relic. It was in a very entertaining way, um, you know, rotary phones in the hallway, all this stuff. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that was it was pretty great. So I, I I'm going to follow you on Instagram now, but but I, I've been following the Canucks. I have the Canucks on my feed, and I notice that whenever they um, head to the rink. For a hockey game, they're all dressed in in, in business attire, suits and the sort. Um, when, when you were a kid back at Saint Ignatius um, in yeah. Cleveland, you, your coach made you do that. And I was wondered why 
um, players do that before a game? I think it's just to like. Uh, I mean, I I like it. Like, I think it's just a way, like, like to, uh, you know, to kind of have uh, make it things so they're like less, uh, you know, less scrappy, ragtag, and you're you know you're gentlemen walking into uh, to play the game, and and I and I kind of like that, um, and especially you know we needed it back in high school because. We were a real motley crew uh, on the team, you know, when I was on the team, and we really, we really needed someone to get us to clean up our act. So I, th- I think it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm always in favor, just in life in general. I think uh, it's more fun to dress up and you know, show up in a t-shirt. Um, so, so I'm so, in favor of it. So, so they don't show the players leaving the game. On the, on the Canucks Instagram feed. So what was it like for you in terms of after the game? Would you guys shower and then and don your suits again, or would you would you have more casual clothing as you left the rink? Yeah, I think when we leave, you know, probably just... Uh, I think we probably showered. To my memory, we showered, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if we did. I mean, we weren't required to shower, but I think we probably did. Um, but yeah, I think it would break be a lot. Probably no ties leaving the rink. Would break. I think yeah. it probably all fell apart pretty quickly, <laughs> uh, as I recall. And you know, your friends are waiting for you outside the rink. Yeah. You know, to go to whatever, drive around in a station wagon, drinking beer you stole from your dad, <laughs> driving around the suburbs of Cleveland. So yeah, I think I think any attempt at being a gentleman fell apart pretty quickly. But the current team in my high school, when I went back, they really, uh, they were like another species compared to when I played. They, I mean, they were amazing. And they were, yeah. you know, state champions. Yeah. Throughout the book, you get to talk to, to uh, players that you um, watched as a kid. Um, the uh, the Russian, I can't pronounce his name, Fetisov. Um, yeah, Brian. Tr- yeah, Brian Trottier mentioned a moment ago. Getting to talk to these players that you watched growing up, that you 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 um, saw as a kid. I mean, you, you describe it in the book. I mean, you, very often you, you thought your head had explode um, because you got to talk to these people. What is it like, say, just to to, to get on a Zoom or on a on a telephone with these folks? And and um, I, did did you fan out and 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 and, and Tell, tell did you tell Trotty, for example, that you stood on his lawn as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I was terrified. I mean, the, I was. If you, I have all the recordings of these interviews still, uh-huh. and I just, I sound like a child <laughs> completely. I sound like Chris Farley when he interviewed Paul McCartney <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Like I'm just like, oh, uh, it's really. Uh, I mean, fortunately, I was able to, you know, at least pull some great quotes from them. But, uh, oh, my gosh, I just sound like a complete idiot talking to these guys because I, I just immediately go back to that age I was, you know, you know, when I was just watching them and just losing my mind. So, uh, yeah, I think I was every bit. And plus, like, Savitisov, you know, I, I remember, you know, seeing, you know, when he played, you know, for the Soviet team, like, in, in the Olympics, and, like, those guys were terrifying looking. They just like, I would, you know, so to talk to one of those guys all these years later, uh, it was it was still terrifying. Um, 
and uh, but I mean, all of them were were super nice. So uh, you know, it was just my own uh, lack of maturity. I guess. <laughs> It's a, it's a great experience to read about because, you know, I'm a fan of, of other things and, and I, I can only imagine what it's like to talk to, to people that you, you've admired or that you've seen just in action uh, later on. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's fun and it's a thrill, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just, um, you know, I feel really lucky that through my work I'm able to, to meet, you know, have these opportunities to meet meet my heroes and meet, you know, especially uh, Len Frigg, I mentioned mm. earlier, um, from the Barons, to, you know, to see him as a little kid and then through the magic of uh, some internet stalking to be sitting there having, you know, beers with him all, you know, all these decades later uh, was pretty wild. Um, just an amazing experience. Is, is this such a great book, Dave? Um, I, I can only imagine that Thank someone you. will pick it up, not interested in hockey, and become a fan uh, because of the book. Yeah, um, that's my hope. I, I certainly will not um, look at a game the same way again. And uh, uh, there, there are elements of the game that, that uh, you point out in the book that, that, that I'll enjoy a lot more. Uh, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, and congratulations on this book, and, and continued good luck with it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. The book is called The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible, Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. It is published by Doubleday Canada. Its author, Dave Hill, joined me on the line from Toronto, Ontario. In Vancouver, I'm Joseph Plunton.